people have been tricked to believe the more complex they can create things, the more value they're going to build. And I say it's exactly the opposite. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today. I'm here with my most amazing guest, Doug. Doug, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Michelle. It's a pleasure. Glad to be here. Awesome. So tell us a bit about who you are and a quick introduction to your business. Yeah, a quick introduction. Uh, My company is called Headway Exec. I'm an executive coach and business advisor. I've taken a long career in the front lines and uh, serial entrepreneurship, as well as some corporate and military experience, and brought that into a comprehensive coaching offering that I use for small business owners, help them uh, really take their business to the next level. And I call it transform from founder to CEO. I love that. So tell us how you got into the the business coaching. You got it. <laughs> quite the you, you've hit almost every color in the spectrum there but <laughs> I, I, I did i uh, uh my early days did start as a commissioned officer in the army and i was uh of course all immersed in leadership training leadership development but i left the military and went into banking of all things i joined a large regional bank in the houston area Uh, We were statewide at the time, about $27 billion bank, and I spent the next 20 years as a banker, and that really started my story for this thing I do now because I watched companies come and go. I watched entrepreneurs work really hard to build a business. Some of them propelled all the way up to, you know, maximum level that they wanted and had big, rich exit events. But others kind of climbed and hit success, but then seemed to hit a wall and crash. And it used to bug me to figure out what the heck, why you had it going on? Why, why, did, it, why did it die? And as I began to lean into it and study, I realized those founders did hit a personal wall in their own ability to keep growing as the company grew. So that's that's kind of the genesis of my thought process. When I left banking, I started a couple of different enterprises myself, a kind of a classic serial entrepreneur story. But about uh, 12 years ago, I decided to turn all my attention to coaching others to help them through that journey. Nice. I love that. So when when you're working with the entrepreneurs and they're 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 not going that next level in their leadership journey. Talk to me about what's going on for them because it it seems counter indicative to me that an entrepreneur would quit learning <laughs> because like that's kind of the definition of who we are. It, 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 I agree. Conceptually, you would think that's what happens, but what in reality it, it happens is that. If, if, if the journey is being successful and there's con- the company's continuing to grow and scale, there are usually some habits that get created. And one of the classic phrases that is real popular right now, people are working in the business, but not on the business. 
And I think that's one of the most common symptoms of the, the ideal client that I work with. And so let me, let me just quickly describe some of the classic symptoms that people tell me when they call me. I'm too busy. I don't have one extra second in my day to do something new and different. That's where the learning stops, by the way. Um, I, I feel plateaued. I have beat my head against a wall trying to figure out how to take this thing to the next level. Nothing I try works. It's flatlined. And, and it might be flatlined at a couple of million dollars, but you know and believe you can go bigger, but you're not able to do that. And worse, uh, they start talking about, truth be told, I'm feeling burned out. I'm just, I feel done. I'm tired of doing this. I don't think I want to do this anymore, but, but they're not really ready to exit. Right. So if we were to look at what's contributing to those things, what would you say is the contributing factor and why they're burnt out or they're plateaued or they're doing a ton of things, but nothing's working? A lot of it has to do with mindset. In my banking days, I got, did a lot of work in the real estate world, both residential and commercial. And I use the phrase now, I say to owners, there's one piece of real estate you own when you start a business. It's the six inches between your ears. <laughs> yeah. And that is the most valuable piece of real estate, but it's also the most difficult to manage. <laughs> mm. And if, if your personality is such, or maybe perhaps your upbringing and training is such that you've never created this perpetual learning mindset, you, you might be really smart, you might be really creative, you might be really energetic in, in the way you look at your business. There is a need to explore what it means to really become a CEO of a bigger business. Right. And, that, and that's a learning curve. So what do you think the, the phases are in business where somebody kind of hits those plateaus? I think my experience tells me there's really four normal phases of a, of a business. There obviously the startup phase, you've got an idea, you're just getting it out of the ground and, and, you know, you, you might stay in startup for quite a couple a while of years. in some cases. <laughs> so you can stay there quite a while, yeah. but then you, you go from startup to what's called uh, growth you you kind of get your core process and product and ideas uh, formulated and you start attracting customers and you you you're growing your everything is growing you're adding people you're adding revenue you're adding profit and then the third phase is something called takeoff and that's when you hit a critical mass and all of a sudden it seems to explode the opportunity just either you're your brand recognition finally lands and your popularity or word of mouth takes off and anything you might've been working hard on marketing wise and so forth. And it really hits this takeoff phase. And the last phase is something I call enterprise. You get, well, I'll just use the word really big <laughs> and, and, you know, that's a relative statement. I, I mean, for some really big could be $5 million, but 
for others, it's, it's 10, 15, 20. And most of the companies, when I talk about really big, I'm talking about moving from say 20 to 25 million, all the way up to 50, a hundred, something like that. That's really big in, in, by my definition. I love it. Well, you're preaching to the choir on this one, because that's <laughs> where we're always going with it. And I think that there tends to be the most amount of issue in that growing phase to the scaling phase is because that requires a whole nother change of um, thought process on the behalf of the entrepreneur, for sure. So what kind of things might somebody see before the burnout phase, before they start going, oh my God, this sucks. How do they kind of re-engage and go, okay, we got something going on here. How do I stay on top of that curve? So how do they stay on their surfboard, if you will? I, I think I think one indicator that is pretty occurs very frequently is the, uh, uh, I had a gentleman on my podcast a couple of months ago, and he calls it stop repeating yourself. <laughs> if, if you right. can identify a, a task that you are doing time and time again, day by day, maybe multiple times in the same day, that's probably an indicator that that's something you need to delegate and outsource. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the, the, the 3Ds, 4Ds come in to either delete it, delegate it or duplicate it. Right. What I say. And right. And that's where the automation and, and our part of the the piece of the puzzle comes in. As soon so, as you've kind of perfected that step, whatever mm -hmm. it may be, and it, it could be a whole process, say, for instance, onboarding a new client. You know, if you've developed a process to do that and you find yourself, you personally, you're the one doing that. That's probably something that needs to be handed off to a virtual assistant or someone you may already have on the team that you can train how to do that. I love that. So in your kind of client's opinion, what did they enjoy most about working with you? Or what have they mentioned in the past? <laughs> what I hear, you you might detect from the dialect, I'm a, I'm a Texas boy. I'm born and bred. Um, I don't fluster real easy. I, I kind of laid back in a lot of ways. And I try to break things down into simple common sense solutions. I try to eliminate complexity wherever I can. In fact, I, I use that theme as the name of my own podcast. It's right here on the mic, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I, I, we just don't have enough common sense in the world anymore. And people have been tricked to believe the more complex they can create things the more value they're going to build. And I say it's exactly the opposite. <laughs> I, I knew there was a reason I liked you so much for, again, for preaching the choir. So give me an example of one of your Cinderella stories of one of your clients. Well, I've got a young man that is, uh, when I met him about 18 months ago, he owned a construction company. It, um, his specialty was high-end remodeling in one of the more, upscaled neighborhoods in, in the greater Houston area. And uh, he had a good business. He'd been at it for about six years, but he had hit a plateau. He was, he was stuck at about a million, million and a half every year. He just never could seem to, to get past that. 
And, you know, that was a good number of projects for him. A lot of his projects typically started at about 50,000 and went on up. A few of them were 200, 300,000, that kind of thing. But um, they would take a while to work. Um, but when I met him, he was about to go crazy. I mean, he, he never used the word burnout, but he was fatigued. He was working, you know, 12 hour days, had a team, but he was chasing, he was driving trash trucks to the dump off the job site and things like that. I mean, he, whatever had to be done that didn't seem to be getting done, he would go do it. So anyway, long story short, we started working together and I have a, a program that I use as a, a blueprint for helping owners. I call it my game changer uh, business blueprint. It makes us dive into four critical parts of business. And I'll talk about those in a minute. But if uh, we apply that, and we did in his case, and what's happened now in just 18 months, he's doubled his business without hiring any staff, by the way. And he's retrained some people. Um, he has turned over what he did formerly outsource, like his bookkeeping and his accounting work. They were not helping him, the ones he had when I met him. <laughs> so we, we fine-tuned that. And he now, not only has he doubled his business, but he's found time in the day he's gone out and acquired another business. So, wow, nice. Um, and he's doing just fine developing that one. And he bought it from an entrepreneur that was plateaued and tired and ready to just go away. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what that person did. And my client picked it up. So um, it was all about eliminating the head trash back to that real estate between your ears, getting him to really refocus on what was important, build the confidence in what his people could do for him. And if they couldn't spend the time training them and getting them there. And, um, he's done all that. And now, uh, he's, he's on a good trajectory. So I love it. So you're <laughs> one of my pet peeves is uh, tax accountants that don't do tax accounting. <laughs> I'm not really sure what they do, but they push a lot of paper and they charge a lot and they're relatively useless. But let's talk about your opinion. Of <laughs> that's fun too. So in your opinion, what should a good tax accountant or bookkeeper be doing for an entrepreneur? Well, I, I think it starts with the ability to really talk about the business you've got going on and ask the pertinent questions about how things are being handled, how things are being tracked and billed or paid. And if you see discrepancies in the way that's going on, you need to be the advisor that's really going to help provide some guidance and it, it is a lot more than paper pushing and filing tax returns. Um, the best tax accountant CPA that I know, or I'm saying this categorically, the, the best kind of tax and CPA people I know provide that bona fide advisory service along the way. They'll say, well, you know, what you did over here was legal. But because of the way it flows through and your company structure, 
that's going to cost you X percent more in taxes every year. If you did it another way, you know, you've, you can legally take advantage of such and such and, and reduce your tax burden. That kind of advisory help is what's really important. And I, I'm with you if I had to, I hate to paint broad brush strokes, <laughs> but more often than not, I see entrepreneurs spend a lot of money in their accounting support. And by the way, legal support, sometimes the same thing. And they're just not getting what they deserve for the money. Absolutely. And I think part of it is on the entrepreneur to understand that neither taxes nor law are black and white. It's a matter of understanding what the goal of the company is and what you want to achieve and and then having a conversation about how do you lead that. So if you, we'll, we'll throw in a little uh, public service announcement here. If you're not having conversations like that with your tax accountant or your lawyer, you have one, then uh, you might want to look for another lawyer. I agree. Uh, and tax accountant. <laughs> so speaking of good questions for their advisors, what kind of things should they be asking a good uh, business coach or executive coach? Well, I think it, it, starts with trying to help understand what their possibilities are. You know, it's um, most of the time when I engage new clients, the first discussion we've got is about, you know, the story of where are you now? What are you really doing? And um, I think as a client, I think the important question to ask a coach is, do you have a system that you're going to tell me is a one size fit all? Because guess what? Those don't work. You know, you've, you, you can have a framework, you can have an approach, but once you get into each individual business, you, you've really got to pay attention to the specifics of what they've already established and the direction they're really wanting to go. Right. So this seems like a good time to get into your four and pillars or steps. Yeah. What sure. do you what are you doing with your clients when they're working with you? I call it the game changer business blueprint. It's it, if you think about any business, and this goes all the way back to my banking days I was talking about, you got four critical areas that are going to create all of your challenges. <laughs> the first is the the people you hire and and the way you go about hiring them, training, preparing, etc. The second is a process. Every good business needs process to allow them to be scalable, reliable, and repeatable for whatever service or product they're putting out. Third is product or slash service. You know, there are things about defining your offering that, um, needs to be looked at in terms of how is the market embracing it, accepting it. You may think you've got a great idea, but the market goes, eh, not so much. Um, so you, you've really got to be honest about that. And then fourth or and last is what I call performance. And that's where knowing your numbers comes in, taking a look at all your financials, your cash flows, but it's also, it's, it's more than just the numbers, it's uh, or monetary numbers. It's, it's about your other performance indicators. You know, you, you need to create some, some people call them KPIs, key performance indicators, other 
others call them OKRs. I mean, there's a lot of vocabulary around that, but, but the idea is how do I know if I'm doing well? And, and is there a trend in what's happening for me? I was good last month, but now I've got a problem this month. Why, where, and how? And creating this ties back to process, your process can help generate those numbers to, to let you know how you're doing, whether it's a volume number or a completion number or a quality number. You know, it's, it's being able to know that performance and ultimately, if you really want to fine tune your business, that those performance indicators go back to each individual employee as well. So you can build the notion of accountability and responsibility. There's... I'm a much bigger fan of responsibility than I am accountability because accountability has too many negative connotations about it. <laughs> so in, in, the, in the KPIs that you're working with your team on, um, talk to me about those, like, what are some examples of them? Because I think a lot of times we have kind of this overarching conversation and until somebody gets deep in the weeds, they don't really understand how KPIs can, can start to paint a picture ahead of time. Because a lot of um, entrepreneurs that I know, once they've kind of given the job over to their employees, it's like, well, go do it. And they don't really have a way to monitor or to kind of identify what their employees are doing and how they're doing it other than they have a client and they still have a client, <laughs> which is good. The, I guess the first thing I'll say is uh, the KPI uh, idea, it does vary depending on the nature of your business. The, the easiest ones to start with talking about is, is the kind of business that produces some tangible widget, some, package some product some thing that you know can maybe go on a truck and go out for delivery so when you're looking at that you've got all the elements of uh, what are the materials i'm putting into those products how's my supply of that stuff when do i need to reorder supplies and if my average run rate on filling, fulfilling orders is, let's say, 100 units a month, I'll just pick a number. If that's been a good average for you, hopefully you fine-tune your system to where you're not overbuying supplies because that burns money, but you're, you're doing well with just-in-time supply, which I know supply chain's been a big issue of late, but... Nonetheless, you're, you're trying to achieve that, but you're rocking along. And now all of a sudden you get an order for 500 units. And, you know, what do you need to do to, I mean, besides going and having a beer with your whole team to celebrate that you got that order. <laughs> and then <laughs> now we have a panic attack and going, oh my God. <laughs> it, yeah. It's kind of like, be careful what you ask for, right? Exactly. But that's it exactly. It, it's it's knowing as you see those numbers, and, and we'll use order count as, as the primary KPI. When you see that ticking up, you you have to be spontaneous in thinking about, okay, well, do I need to order some more material? Do I need to put some people on overtime? Do I need to hire some temps to come in and help us with that? Do I need a new truck? I mean, you know, there's all those multipliers that start to creep in. Conversely, if you're starting to see month over month for a long time, you've been running at 100 a month, and now all of a sudden it goes to 90, to 80, to 70, to 60, 
it's, it's a different like, kind of panic attack. <laughs> different kind of panic attack. And then that's when it's it's the oops. Is it my sales process? Is it is is the market moving away from me? Has everybody gotten tired of their pet rock and I can't sell pet rocks anymore? I'm dating myself now, but <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good marketing plan, by the way. I don't know who came up with that, but that was genius. It really was. I still have mine somewhere here on my <laughs> bookshelf, but um, I can't believe people paid for that. I can't believe people paid for pongs either, though. So, you know. Well, even fidget spinners are a, an amazing phenomenon. Right? And, but at least modern, that costs something, I guess. And That's the me- modern pet rock. rock yes. <laughs> people, and for those of you who don't know what a pet rock is, it's a rock with a face on it that people actually paid for and got mailed to their houses. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Mind you, I guess I'm sort of guilty because every time the neighborhood kids start painting rocks, I'm like, I'm in like Flynn, I'm what do you got? Do you got any butterflies? You got? <laughs> so, right. Right. Good marketing comes back to good marketing. Awesome. So I know that our listeners are going to want more from you, Doug. So how did they start their journey with you? The best thing is to hop over to my website and it's real simple. It's my name, Doug Thorpe. Then that's is T H O R P E on the end.com got a lot of information there. I've got links to a, a blog that I write every week uh, talking about leadership mindset, changes and shifts and ideas. Uh, spend a lot of time on current events in, in leadership. You know, we've, we've got a whole different discussion we could have about the employment market right now and things going on there. But I also um, have a link there to my podcast, which is called Leadership Powered by Common Sense. And uh, Michelle is soon to be a guest on my show and looking forward to that. We haven't, we haven't recorded it yet, but we will soon. And depending on when you listen to this, we may have already recorded it. Well, and it may true. be live. That's, so that's <laughs> go over and check it out. Awesome. You'll, you'll notice me freaking out here because my dog has taken affinity to sticking the cat's head in his mouth, kind of like sticking your head in a lion's mouth. And it's, he's just not quite predictable enough yet for my thinking to be doing that. <laughs> don't want to look down and he's just tasting. <laughs> right? I just want to see whether or not it fits. Oh my God. Doug, you've been absolutely awesome. So I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? That probably actually happened a long time ago because I tell people the story. My mother was actually my inspiration. She was, uh, I'm a product of a hardworking single mom. I'm an only child. And so I'm one of those guys, whatever you think about only children. Uh, it's not true, but no, that's awesome. another story. <laughs> um, but she had the gumption or you know what to quit her day job when I was still like in fifth grade to go start a business. Wow. And Good for her. Uh, at the time I had no idea what that meant. It was, it was just another day in the farm, you know, and, uh, uh, but she went out, she was an interior designer, started a boutique and grew it up, uh, pretty fast and, by the time I got to high school, she was doing large multi-million dollar commercial jobs and uh, she was designing food stores of all things. Um, and nowadays it's not a big deal to, to go into your grocery store and see all this decor in there. Well, she was one of the pioneers in that space. Oh, 
That's and awesome. Making, making that happen. And um, that was my summer job working for her. She was my boss <laughs> in, the, in the summer. And I just, I thought it was pretty cool that you could call your own shots and do your own thing and make some money at it and, uh, you know, have a success. And like I said, when I went into banking and I watched a, a bunch more entrepreneurs, I, I finally, after about 20 years said, nah, I'm going to go do this. This is it's time. And, and I did. Nice. I love it. So Doug, again, you've been awesome. Any last words for our peeps? No, I think that's it. I, I guess the only thing uh, I'll add is um, do a little soul searching and and uh, ask yourself if you are in fact stuck. You feel plateaued. Maybe you're not near the burnout phase, but you're you've got a certain level of frustration with where you are. I, I, I'm 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 gonna say it's on one hand it's not your fault. It's uh it's a natural progression, and if you need some help getting out of that feel free to call me. I'd be happy to help. Absolutely do. Doug, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. All right, Michelle. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please share it with your entrepreneurial friends. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.